Everyone, remain calm. Welcome to the 74th episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Jost, and we're here to discuss all things Jurassic Park. In this episode, we have a few news updates on Jurassic World 2. We've got a decent-sized listener segment where I break down some of your emails and voicemails. We've got another great installment of Amber Finds with Jay Jurassic, where he reveals the Jurassic Park and the Lost World Deluxe Edition DVD set. And we round out the episode with a poll segment where we find out exactly which returning cast member you want to see in the Jurassic World sequel. So this Friday, the 25th of November, is the North American premiere of Jurassic World The Exhibition at the Franklin Institute out here in Philadelphia. I will be there for the very first showing of the exhibition, and I absolutely can't wait to report back to you all next week. Keep an eye towards all our social media this week, as you'll see a ton of postings from the event. But uh, if you happen to be at the event, make sure to say hello if you see me walking around. Um, I really, really can't wait for this exhibition. I know it's going to be so awesome. I've seen a lot from it, and uh, I can't wait to see some of you there. But uh, if you can't make it this Friday, I know we'll be having a big meetup with a bunch of fans in early January, so make sure to keep your slate clean. Now, before we get into it, I just wanted to update you on a few changes to our website. If you haven't checked out our videos page, make sure to head over there. I recently put a few touches on it, and it's constantly updating uh, with the new podcast episodes each week and more. I also added a section dedicated to our new segment, Amber Finds. So now you'll find a link to the new section in the navigation, as well as the Amber Finds logo in the right column of the page. You can click on either spot to find all the episodes featuring Jay Jurassic and his Amber Finds segment. We also have the addition of Mr. J Jurassic to our contributor page, so definitely go check that out. Also on the main page, you'll find a few quick links to uh, some of our featured episodes with Colby Boothman and James Dumont. They were really, really awesome episodes, so if you haven't given them a listen just yet, make sure to go check them out. But uh, really, that's about it, and definitely keep heading back to the site because we're going to have some really, really cool stuff coming soon for the website, uh, so definitely stay tuned. But anyway, um, it's a really fun episode, so let's get things started off with a bit of direct Jurassic news from around the world. 18 minutes and your company catches up on 10 years of research. Access rate program. Access rate security. These pictures were taken in hospital in Costa Rica 48 hours ago. I don't want to jump to any conclusions, but look. Boy, my head being right all the time. But today, I guarantee it. Comingsoon.net recently had an interview with J.A. Bayona, and he had some really great things to say about the upcoming Jurassic World film. They released a few excerpts from the unreleased article, and uh, here they are. Every story is different, and you need to find the depth of every story to try to express it on screen. The Jurassic World sequel is a more collaborative filmmaker experience, not only with Colin Trevorrow, but also with Steven and Frank Marshall. It's their baby as much as it is mine. It's about sharing views and working together to bring the story to life. But at the same time, the way I face telling a story is to find something very personal. 
I think there will be plenty of myself also in the film. He also went on to say, We're working on it already, and shooting starts in March. So backing up to the first bit, it's really, really encouraging to hear Bayona talk about the film in such good regard, and to hear that the series is still a collaboration between current filmmakers and Steven Spielberg and Frank Marshall. I love that Bayona is talking about the film in a personal level. Uh, Jurassic World was a very major scale, maybe a bit too big for some longtime fans, but uh, it's surely a relief to hear that he's bringing his own touches down this new path. The second point about shooting in March is only slightly different than the end of February timeline that we heard previously. Either way, it's coming up very, very fast, and shooting will be here before you know it. Head to our show notes on our website to find the link to the article. Next up, we have another great quote from Bayona, this time from CinemaBlend.com, talking about how the new and old connect. That's a good question. I think somehow it's both. It's a very good question, and what we're doing is a sequel to Jurassic World, but it's definitely a fifth chapter in a longer saga. It's very interesting. It's always tricky, but you have to find a balance in what people expect to find and the new stuff you're bringing to the story. I think the story is looking for a connection between Jurassic World and Jurassic Park more than what Jurassic World did. So while our last story was certainly encouraging for longtime fans, this one hits home even harder. Uh, So far, without knowing any details about the plot, it really sounds like they want to stay true to the series. So while the first part of the quote is certainly what you expected here, uh, that it's a sequel to Jurassic World, but certainly part five in the series, that's all expected from the upcoming director. Of course he would say something like that. The real goodness for me comes from him saying that the story is looking to connect between Jurassic World and Jurassic Park even more than Jurassic World did. Now that's incredibly interesting because I think Jurassic World uh, certainly hit all the right nostalgia marks with the old visitor scene, the old Jeeps returning, the original Rex, the night vision goggles, Malcolm's book, Lowry's shirt, Mr. DNA. Uh, Okay, I guess I don't need to go through all of them. You all get the point. Uh, But they'll have to go a very, very long way to top all the connections that were placed in Jurassic World. Um, Anyway, head to our show notes to find a link to the article on (laughs) cinemablend.com. USA Today has published an excerpt from the upcoming Michael Crichton novel, Dragon Teeth. They've also revealed an amazing cover for the book, which is obviously inspired by the original Jurassic Park novel cover. Dragon Teeth is coming next year on May 23rd. Now, if you don't know already, it follows the bone wars between two real-life paleontologists during the 1870s. So if you can't wait until May of next year, head to our show notes to find the link to the excerpt on USA Today. Oh, there it is. There it is. I'm not a computer nerd. I prefer to be called a hacker. Aren't you supposed to be a genius or something? I can't get Jurassic Park back online without Dennis Dendron. Incorporating all the latest technologies. We shouldn't be here. And there's five dinosaurs. How many Sarahs do you think are on this island? So this week I figured I'd dive deep into some listener feedback we've received recently. I've kind of put a bunch of the emails and voicemails on the back burner recently, but today I'm going to bring you everything we've had sitting around in the inbox. This first one is an email from Dan from Ohio. Let's check in. Excellent job with episode 67. Seriously, it was a great topic and highlighted what makes the first film so iconic. Made me realize what Jurassic World was missing. It's those moments where you can sit 
and listen and just take it all in. The details. Keep up the great work. I'm a diehard JP fan, and I've been listening to your podcast while I work. It makes the day go much quicker. I'd love to hear a podcast about the first book and what you slash guests would like to see if they ever did a remake that was more like the book. Now, I've read it so many times, and it's like its own separate movie. Anyway, keep up the great work, and I'm sure I'll be emailing you again. If you ever do an episode about Jurassic Park 3 and how it's secretly amazing... Feel free to contact me for discussion points. I was so let down by it when I saw it in 2001 at age 13, but it's grown on me, and I've watched it way more than any other. Have a great day. Dan from Ohio. Hey, Dan, thanks so much for the compliments on that episode. I actually had to go back and figure out what was in episode 67, and uh, it was the sounds of Jurassic Park with James and Steve from Jurassic Unicast. Now, that one was one of my absolute favorite episodes to record. I think there were so many great moments in that one for sure, but you're, uh, you're right. That's certainly something that was missing from Jurassic World. There's only a few moments that I can actually think of that didn't have the soundtrack running under the scenes. And obviously, whatever scenes they were, really didn't make any more of an impact on me like they did in Jurassic Park. Um, That's certainly a feature I'd love to see return. As for the book, I finally got around to listening to the audiobook for Jurassic Park um, a little while back, a few months ago, but it's actually been years since I read the physical book. Uh, But I gotta say, the audiobook was awesome, so if you haven't gotten a chance to listen to that, definitely do it. I am certainly planning on doing a podcast comparing the books and the films sometime soon. It's just really a matter of lining everything up correctly. But yeah, they're they're basically uh, two separate stories. Um, I'm really glad that they do continue to mine from the novel uh, for all of these stories on film. And I, I think that it's great that they adapt and don't fully copy what we read in the books. You know, it gives them some room to grow. As for Jurassic Park 3, man, uh, you know, I was really let down by it back in 2001 as well. But uh, now it's, it's well, you know, it's still last on my list, but I've come to really enjoy that film and uh, all the connections it's made with Jurassic World. I don't know if you see it that way, but I've come to see so many connections, and it's it's actually really great. And actually, one of the things I like about it is it's an easy watch. You know, uh, with it being so short, it's probably the easiest one to throw on time and time again. Anyway, uh, thanks again, Dan, and I certainly hope to hear from you again soon. The next one here is a follow-up from Kat from an email exchange probably over 10 episodes ago. Uh, I'm so sorry for the delayed response. Here it is. Hi, Brad. Thank you for mentioning my comment in your podcast. I really appreciate it, and I'm so glad to hear that other listeners, like the Disney podcast guy, have the same issue with the 1956 statement. It really bothers me, and I can hardly even watch that part of the movie every time he says that Disneyland opened in 1956. I'm so glad that you asked people to call in if they have any information on this, and you're trying to get to the bottom of it. It would solve my problem since 1993. What is that? 23 years of sleepless nights? I really honestly do not believe that they wrote it in there on purpose to show how scatterbrained he was. If that was the case, why not pick a different year, like 1948? Something more obvious. Or why didn't somebody make a response to him to say, no, John, you're wrong. It was 1955. That being said, I have not considered your theory before that Universal did it on purpose despite Disney and the Disneyland fans. I actually think this could be the true reason behind it. In fact, I remember there being quite a rivalry between Disney and Universal. If that is the case, whoever made that decision was brilliant because it certainly worked. Cat. Hey Cat, I feel you. You know, it, it is crazy to me that they somehow messed that one up. If if they did mess it up, we don't really know. Uh, but I am glad that that people like you and Jeff DePauli have have your Disney sides in rage when it comes to stuff like this. You know, stay strong. But yeah, I, I feel like it must have been a dig at Disney from the Universal crowd. There's really no other logical excuse to think that they put so much work into the dinosaur research, the DNA research, and so much more 
that they just so happen to mess up this one date sounds illogical. Hopefully I bump into Steven Spielberg one day. I'll, I'll straight up ask him that one question. Why'd you mess up that date? Or why is it wrong? You know, it's really going to bug me forever now, too. So thank you. Thank you very much for that, Kat. Uh, so um, sorry it took so long to return to your follow-up email. And I hope to hear from you again soon. Next up, we have a voicemail from Mike Norin. Let's take a listen. Hey, this is Mike Norin. I'm calling not for a question, but more of a concern. Which is the fact that the skeletal structures in the end of the movie are breaking apart and beams are cracking under the sheer weight of two adults and small children. I mean, you think, you know, Hammond says, spare no expense. You think he would put a little more expense into a proper, proper uh, you know, construction crew to build beams that won't split like balsa wood under, you know, just a little extra weight. I mean, you figure Grant's probably a buck 80, Ellie's probably 140, and the kids, you know, they're kid size. So there's no reason beams should be splitting with a couple extra hundred pounds of weight. That's just ridiculous. And their concern is not dinosaurs breaking out eating people. It's the fact that their building could collapse at any moment and kill a whole family who was vacationing there. Uh, and that's it. Hey, Mike, again, sorry, sorry, like I said, for everybody else uh, for the delayed response. But I love your voicemail, man. It's a really good point. And I've kind of just come to accept it at this point. But yes... I've said it before and I'll continue to say it. John was completely delusional. I think he needed to reassure his investors and the park endorsers so much that he led himself to believe that he spared no expense when in fact he really sucked at making sure even the most basic business practices were in order. The entire park was a complete sham. Now if you listen to the theme park episode that we did a while back, uh, I think back in 59, we, we really broke down just how much he didn't do enough to ensure the safety of his guests. See, when we analyze this movie, we do it from a point of view that if this were a real theme park, a real place, then it should have at least these basic requirements in place to succeed. And uh, this one didn't. This park had none of those things. Um, now, whether dinosaurs escaped that day or not, I think that place was doomed to fail. But yeah, man, who was the construction crew on that visitor center? And, and how much did he skimp on the, the construction materials for those bolts to come flying out of the ceiling or for the beams to just split apart? It, you know, it's really, it's just insane. And it just shows how crazy John Hammond was. Sorry, John. Uh, anyway, thanks for pointing that out and give me a good laugh. Hope to hear from you again here on the podcast. All right, so I got a tweet from Rogue Sunrise on Twitter, and I thought it was an interesting question, so let's check it out. What are your thoughts as the Lego movie being considered a TV series that shows 2016 onwards? Thanks again for sending this one over, and I, I told you I'd save it for the podcast, but uh, anyway, I have been thinking about this one a lot lately. As I think about where the live-action sequel may be headed, and if this short actually gets picked up as a series or not, um, so, so first off, let's say that they actually make this short into a full-time series. Uh, where does it go in a post-Jurassic world? Well, world. Post-Jurassic world world. Yeah, okay. Well, honestly, since it's aimed more towards kids, I think it would actually stay in the theme park atmosphere and kind of forget that mess of Jurassic World ever happened. Now, look, here's, here's going to be some spoilers for the Lego short, so skip ahead if you don't want to hear anything. All right, I think that's fair enough warning. Go away, skip ahead. So here it is. The Indominus escaped in that short, albeit in a very different way than it did in a feature film, but it escaped, destroyed a few things, and was captured and peacefully restored to the park. 
Um, now, we know that there is a Rampage Rex out there in the restricted area, so who knows? Maybe the uh, maybe that creature creates the downfall of the park. But honestly, like I said before, it's a kid's short, and I really don't think anything too dark will happen here. If they did create a TV show out of it, I think it would continue the trend of your daily escape story and just have a different theme park problem each week. Either way, whether they continue that theme park trend or do a post-2016 episode, um, I, I'll be certainly interested each and every week. How about you all? Would you enjoy that on a week-to-week basis? Let me know in the show comments on our website. Send us an email or hit us up on social media. I'd love to hear, and I'm sure Rogue Sunrise would too. Thanks again for that great question. We got a text over our voicemail line. That's right, you can now text the number as well as leaving a voicemail. Give it a shot sometime. Anyway, this one comes to us from JP Fan from Michigan. Here goes. Hello, it's JP Fan, and I've been collecting my whole life, and when I was about 20, I sold my toys. But the good thing is that I bought double of almost everything I got. I was a spoiled kid. But anyway, I wanted to know what you want from Mattel. Any figures or playsets or dinosaurs? Hey, JP fan, I, I, you know, I'm so sorry you had to sell all your toys, man. I can understand why it's necessary at the time, but how you might have a little regret about it later on. It happens. Um, I wish I had everything I did originally as a kid, too. You know, so many pieces have been lost over time, but I'm doing the same thing slowly, just buying things back over time. Um, as for what I want to see from Mattel, well... I just hope for a return to that that classic style of JP Toys that you you know, we all know and love. Uh, mostly, I want to see that real feel dinosaur skin like the original Rex had or the Triceratops, among others. Um, those were my favorites, how it felt real. Um, actually, I'd also like to see the return of human figures, obviously, um, especially with the original height and size of everything. Um, so many figures today end up being tiny and not very durable. Uh, those those toys that I used to have are actually still right above me. Uh, they were indestructible for the most part. Uh, a few missing parts here and there, but the human figures, not really. Those things are all intact. So hopefully we see a return to that stuff. But if you want a better idea, you can always check out the congratulations video we did for Mattel a while back, where ourselves and many people within the community explained just exactly what we wanted to see in the new toy line. It's a great video, so I suggest taking a moment to watch. I'll include a link to it in our show notes this week. Thanks again for the message and hope to hear from you again soon. Well, that about wraps up the listener segment this week. You know, I'm so glad to have such awesome listeners like you all, and I really love getting feedback and input from everybody. You know, if you have anything you want read or played on this show, send them our way by either voicemail 732-825-7763 or via our email jurassicparkpod at gmail.com. You can also send us a message via our website contact form. Thanks again, everybody, and I hope to hear from you all again soon. Hello Jurassic fans, today on Amber Finds we're going to be talking about a really cool piece out of my collection, 
the Jurassic Park and Lost World Deluxe Edition movie box set. And I say movie box set because this is just more than movie DVDs. It's got so much cool stuff in it. So let's uh let's proceed. Now the box itself it's about 14 inches across and about 11 inches tall. And um, the back side of the box is all black, but all the black around the box is glossy. The whole box itself is very shiny. It has like a foil to it. But the, the black is just plain glossy. Um, the sides and the top of the box um, have, it's a Jurassic Park and the Lost World Deluxe Edition in red. And it has silver logos of the Jurassic Park logo. The backside has no images. It just has the trademark and copyright of Universal and Amblin all in red. Really small lettering though. And um, it says 2000 copyright. So I'm guessing this was came out 2000, you know, amping you up for the 2001 release of Jurassic Park 3. Trying to get back in people's heads. Jurassic Park is coming back. So I'm guessing this is when it came out. Now, the front side. That's what catches everybody's eye. It is a glossy black skeleton of the T-Rex, which is, you know, the logo we all love and adore. The logo of Jurassic Park. Yes, the official logo of Jurassic Park, the T-Rex. And the background of the of T-Rex the is this red foil, this bright red foil type of coloring. And it also has, on the bottom, it has the tree line. And there in silver letters it says Jurassic Park and the Lost World Deluxe Edition. Now it's really cool when you open the box set. You open it and it's it has magnets to close. But it opens like the, the silhouette of the T-Rex opens one side swings one door. And the other side swings another door. And then you open it up and it's just one side has the collector, blah, collector's edition of the widescreen of Jurassic Park and the other one has collector's edition widescreen of the Lost World both DVDs not Blu-rays yet Blu-rays I don't think were really hitting back then <laughs> and uh, if you have these collector's edition uh, of the Lost World and and Jurassic Park I had the VHS and I also have the DVDs and I have the DVDs as well but these ones right here had a really cool like uh, cover the Jurassic Park one you can see the T-Rex's teeth and it's all in gold like gold foil and uh, There's Rexy's teeth just snarling at you, you know Just knowing that <laughs> there was a lawyer hanging off those teeth not too long ago <laughs> and uh, The other one has a silver Foil type to it and it's all it's three Raptors and it's the Raptors that we all love and adore from the lost world and uh, it has them kind of one at the top, one in the middle, and one towards the bottom. And they're all, you know, roaring or, or ready to attack. Some of them have, those, have that eye that, you know, like the big one when she sees Tim, she just kind of like squints her eye and then runs after him. They look like they're all going to attack each other or, or whoever's looking at them or something. But they're really cool cases, really cool covers. And um, these actually came in another box set before... Uh, Jurassic Park 3 came out and you would order that box set 
And you would also get a poster that showed the size chart of all the dinosaurs from JP3. And you had the T-Rex, you had the Spinosaur, and it was like a special box set and you had to order it in. And I remember ordering that. I like begged my mom for me to get that. Uh, and I used to stay up late and you, and you would see it like at 4 a.m. in the morning on TV and them talking about it. Oh, you know, JP3 is coming out and, and blah, blah. And JP3 hadn't come out yet. And this box set was out to celebrate its, you know, its release. Or, I mean, it didn't come out in video just yet. But it's, it had this box set. And it was just like, it was only the collector's edition of Jurassic Park and only the collector's edition of Lost World. And it was a small little sleeve that had uh, the same images that you see on the on the box covers, on the DVD covers. And it came with that. And it came with that poster. And I, and I bought the box set. I have it. And it's the two DVDs that I've seen the most. If you... Oh, man. If uh, I should take a picture again of this. And I think I have in the past on my Instagram. If I show you what the DVD looks like of the Jurassic Park one and the Lost World of those old ones... I don't know how they still play. It's completely scratched up of how many times I played those movies. I played them to death. <laughs> Basically. Because back then I used to watch the movie back and forth to uh, to make custom toys. Because now, you know, you got the computer, you got uh, screen caps and, and all that, screenshots. And, but back then, no. It was just you and the TV. And I would pause scenes for hours on end to try to make like... The compound and this and that and customize my toys but anyway back to this box set <laughs> sorry I rambled on there um, the deluxe edition contains now this is it shows like kind of there's like this sheet here that shows all the stuff that is uh, that is inside this box set and it says Jurassic Park and the Lost World Dolby digital widescreen DVDs went through that Jurassic Park and the Lost World photo portfolio that's very that's awesome. Can't wait to start talking about that one. Exclusive individually numbered Jurassic Park and Lost World cenotypes. I guess that's the 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 cells, the the film cells. CD soundtracks from both films and collectible packaging created especially for the deluxe edition. Number certificate of authenticity signed by the film producers. And we got all that. All right, so I removed this uh, sheet that's telling me everything that's in here. And, uh, I mean, it shows everything in whole, you know. Then we get to the Certificate of Authenticity. Sorry, I said that wrong. Uh, it says Jurassic Park and the Lost World Deluxe Edition. And it has the Jurassic Park logo in that red type of foil. Looks beautiful. Shiny. It's like beaming out of this thing, you know. And um, it says Jurassic Park was originally... Released by Universal Studios and Amblin Entertainment in 1993, the blockbuster sequel, Lost World Jurassic Park, was released in 1997. This Jurassic Park and the Lost World Deluxe Edition is a limited edition collection created to celebrate the release of these legendary films on DVD. Oh, that's why. Okay. This is the first time they were being released on DVD. Awesome. And then it says again what the del Deluxe Edition contains. So I already read that, so I'm not going to reread it again. My number of limited edition is uh, 11,923. Would have been cool if it was number one, but whatever, it's part of it. And then it has the, um, the signature from Kathleen Kennedy, the producer of Jurassic Park, and the Lost, an executive producer of Lost World, Jerry Molin, Gerald Mo R. Molin, producer of Jurassic Park and the Lost World, 
you might remember Jerry Mullen as uh, to de- um, Dr. Harding in the first movie. The, the guy that's out there with the Triceratops. Yeah, that's it's a cameo he did. He played Dr. Harding, but he was the producer. Anyway, and Colin Wilson, producer for The Lost World. Then it says authorized by Amblin Entertainment, the Universal Studios home video, and then the trademarks again. Awesome. This is really cool. And it's on that really like, like kind of see-through type of paper. I mean, um, man, that logo is really cool. Alright, so then when we go from there, we go to a film cell. Or the cenotypes. Cenotype. I know I'm saying that wrong, but whatever. And this film cell is from the scene when the Brachiosaurus first shows up. You got Alan Grant there, Ellie... And Hammond all looking up at this majestic beast eating, you know, pieces of leaves, vegetation on the trees. And it's beautiful. You look at the you look at the film cell through, you know, lighting, and it's great. And it's in like some it's in kind of like a little portfolio type of uh case. It says Jurassic Park nineteen ninety three. And, um, I have it still sealed up. Yeah, I have not opened it, and I'm not. It's just gonna stay that way. And it says, the Senitype, or Senitype. No, I'm saying it wrong. Sorry, I know you guys are probably gonna correct me for my mistake. But, um, it says, Jurassic Park was originally released by Universal Studios and Amblin Entertainment in 1993, starring Sam Neill, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, and Richard Onrur. Featuring incredible special effects and action-packed drama, Jurassic Park takes you to a remote island filled with wondrously recreated living dinosaurs. When these terrifying predators escape, things turn deadly as five people battle to survive. One of the most successful films in worldwide box office history. That's right. Produced by Kathleen Kennedy and Gerald R. Mullen. From the original novel by Michael Crichton, The Man. And screenplay by Michael Crichton and David Kep. Uh, Steven Spielberg, The Man. Jurassic Park remains one of the most compelling and spectacular experiences. Uh, you know what? I completely agree. It really is. Still is and forever will be. Hollywood Archives Collectibles Incorporated and Universal Studios Home Video are proud to release the limited edition artwork. Says the film cell. The Jurassic Park film cell is a limited edition art graphic produced from a single frame of the motion picture film and includes one frame of the corresponding film footage. This artwork began with the careful careful selection of a single frame of film that is digitally scanned and expertly reproduced onto art paper using intricate state-of-the-art imaging and printing techniques. The film footage is actual 35mm film frame produced from the original motion picture by the master optical film technicians. Every film cell has been individually numbered for this edition. Mine is 20,916. And Jurassic Park films explicitly, yeah, it's for this. 
Oh, it's so cool. So that's the Jurassic Park film cell. Now we go to the Lost World one, and it is the scene where the Stegosauruses first appear. Where, you know, Eddie Carr and Nick Van Oren are just taken back because they never, you know I mean, they imagined big iguanas. <laughs> that was Nick Nick's answer. You know, uh, big iguanas? Fruitcakes. That's what Ann Malcolm says afterwards. You know, that's a beautiful scene. And what's really cool about that scene, too, if you really pay attention to the stegosaurs, they're all different. Yes, they, you know, there's similarities because they are stegosaurs, but some of them have broken plates, some of them are bigger, some of them are fatter. It's, uh, it's a beautiful scene. And it was so great to see these majestic animals in Jurassic Park because we all wanted them in the first one, you know. But uh, they saved them for the second one. Which is my favorite. So, I-, I love this movie. I really do. I can talk about your Lost World forever. So, on the back it says, The Lost World was originally released by Universal Studios and Abel Entertainment in 1997. Starring Jeff Goldblum, Julianne Moore, and Pete Postlewaite. Rest in peace, Postlewaite. Because his depiction of Roland Tembo. Oh man, that... He's one of my favorite characters in Lost World. It's what makes the Lost World so special to me. I, lo- I love his character. Um, when I was little and I used to play with his with, um, his action figure, I would always try to imitate his his, his uh, accent. And he was always the badass, you know. And, he was, and I actually made him like a good guy when I used to play because he was so cool. I was like, nah, I don't want to make him evil. I don't want to make him villain. But anyways... I, I, I love this character, especially that speech, you know. I, I'm not going to do the accent. I kind of want to, but no, I'm not. <laughs> um, director Steven Spielberg takes us back to the scene of the ultimate theme park in Lost World, the blockbuster sequel to the award-winning Jurassic Park. Four years since the disaster of Jurassic Park, two groups are in a race against time. They will determine the fate of the remote island's prehistoric inhabitants. Executive producer Kathleen Kennedy, producers Gerald R. Mullen and Colin Wilson, and screenwriter David Kep made Michael Crichton's thrilling bestseller, The Lost World, one of the most successful films of all time. It's very true. I remember going to see this movie opening weekend. It was on Memorial Day. We can, uh, me and my cousins convinced her dad, my uncle, to take us. And he had read the book, so he was expecting the same as the book. We, you find out it's very different from the book. But that line went around the theater about three times. I'm not kidding. We stood there for that freaking long to go see this movie. And it was one of the most exciting moments of my life was going to see this movie. And I was not disappointed. Some people were. I wasn't. I love the movie. Still do. I mean, like I said, could talk for it for hours, but not going to do that. So now we get to the Jurassic Park and Lost World photo portfolio. And we got, let's see the pictures that we got here. And the portfolio is really cool. It's, uh, it, it has like, like a dinosaur skin impression on it. Or it might be, no, okay, never mind. It's actually the eye of Rexy. And the logo is the pupil. That's really cool. Just noticing that for the, like, the first time. Yep. 
think that's what it is. It's either Rexy or I think it's Rexy because the pupil is round on Rexy. The Raptor's got the, the, the slits. All right, first picture, and by the way, gorgeous picture, the Brachiosaurus scene again. We have the film cell, now we have an, a photo of it. And on the bottom it says 1993, Universal Studios, copyright, Ambly Entertainment. So most of them are going to say this, so I don't have to repeat it again. But you know the scene. Do I really have to describe it? I just did with the film cell. But it's it's a print of it, and it's gorgeous, and it's beautiful uh, print paper. Maybe a Kodak moment or something. All right, let me put that one away. I don't want to keep them out too much, so just give me a little patience while I put them away. Next one, you got the sick triceratops, but you barely see the sick triceratops. You kind of just see its frill and a horn. And you got Steven Spielberg standing there, I think, with the screenplay. And um, uh, Laura Dern is telling him something. She's like pointing at the Triceratops. You got Sam Neill back there, you know, just looking at the ground. And then Mr. Jeff Goldblum himself just looking out in the forest. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing. It looks like he's about to dance. But uh, always looking badass with, with that uh, leather jacket. And uh, it's a beautiful picture. And it's that scene of Triceratops. I think they were just starting to film her. They're talking about suggestions of filming. Next one is the Gallimimus scene. And it's just Sam Neill running from the Gallimimus. And uh, one Gallimimus has its, has its mouth open. And it's like yelling at Sam like, Hey, what are you doing? There's supposed to be only dinosaurs in there. But there's a human. And he's like running at full speed. You just see the like power in his face. Like he's, he's, he's ready to go. Um, but yeah, beautiful. Next photo is huh, the kitchen scene. And if you don't know what the kitchen scene is, then, uh, you gotta go back and watch the movie again. Cause you, you say kitchen scene to any Jurassic fan and they're like, oh yeah, I, I remember that scene. One of the scariest moments in that, in that movie. And it's the picture of Timmy behind one of the counters. The raptor right next to the counter, looking at the the spoon that had fallen, and the other raptors on top of the counter, just like waiting for the signal to attack. And the terror on Timmy's face, just you know, what I mean, you feel that terror. These things can walk through a kitchen. That's what made the raptors scarier. That they can actually go and walk through areas that we can walk through. You know, T Rex can't really go into a kitchen he can catch you outside but if you're in a building unless he breaks down the building he's not getting you and these raptors can that's that's the scary part about raptors next uh print we're now in the lost world and this one here now on the bottom it says 1997 still instead of 1993 and this one here is the stegosaurus scene we already just talked about that so i'll just move on to the next one Next photo is the mommy's very angry scene. But I've always found it weird that they say mommy's very angry when the jaws that they're showing in the scene are pretty much the male. 
the male T-Rex. You can see the scars on the male. And, uh, or I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's the male. And you got Julianne Moore, who plays Sarah Harding, yelling at the top of her lungs. Malcolm looking just in fear that he's like, again. And Nick Van Owen's eyes are like, ah, oh, man, we, I think I messed up by bringing in that baby in here. And that trailer scene, man, that thing, that scene just keeps you on the edge. Completely, your, your palms are sweating when you're watching that scene. It's, it's crazy. And one of my favorite scenes, the most controversial scenes, the city scene, when the male gets, male T-Rex wreaks havoc on San Diego. I love that scene. I don't know why it's gotten so much hate, but that scene is awesome. Seeing them tear down everything, the buses breaking down cars and running after people, eating people right off the sidewalk, eating a dog. You know, I mean, it was sad for the dog, but I don't know. I think if we would have ate a cat, I, I would have gotten more upset, but nothing against dogs, but... <laughs> That scene was pretty, pretty bad, actually. Anyway, it's a scene right before he bites onto the traffic light. So there's like a car flipping over and he's just watching it. Like, what is this? Because everything is toys for him. He, This is all new. And it's, I, lo I love the scene when the Rex is in San Diego. It's great. And the last photo is Spielberg in a sleeping bag. And he got the T-Rex image right behind him like it's about to eat him up. And it's a really cool picture because it's... Yeah, I mean, Crichton, of course, is the creator. But Spielberg brought it to life. And, I mean... Thank you, Mr. Spielberg. Thank you, Michael Crichton, for, for being the father of this whole thing. And then, thank you, Mr. Spielberg, for bringing it onto the big screen. I mean, it's awesome. And then, of course, the last two items, because, yeah, we're not done. <laughs> the last two items in here are the soundtracks. Still sealed up. That's right, I have not taken them out. And the soundtracks, let's, uh, let's go with the Jurassic Park soundtrack first. Sorry for the yawn, I'm just so tired. But here we go. Opening titles is number one. Number two, theme from Jurassic Park, which we all know and love. Number three, incident at Isla Nublar. Number four, journey to the island. Number five, the raptor attack. I think I know which one that is. Number six, hatching baby raptor. Oh, we don't know that one. Seven, welcome to Jurassic Park. Duh, the best. Eight, my friend the Brachiosaur. Aw. Just think of it of a big cow. Uh, number nine, Dennis steals the embryos. Oh, I love that one. Dun, 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 dun. Um, number ten, a tree for my bed. Number eleven, high wire stunts. I guess that's the one where we see, uh, Timmy, the human piece of toast. 12, remembering Petticoat Lane. One of the s saddest moments because that's the moment uh, John Hammond realizes everything's done. Uh, 13, Jurassic Park Gate. 
four, uh, 14, Eye to Eye. Eye to Eye is awesome. Eye to Eye is great. I love that one. Uh, 15, T-Rex Rescue and Finale. <sighs> one of the best scenes ever in cinema history. And 16, End Credits. That's, uh, that's the soundtrack for Jurassic Park. And then we got the soundtrack for Lost World. The Lost World. Awesome. The Island Prologue. Malcolm's Journey. I love Malcolm's Journey. That's one of the best ones. The Hunt. The Trek. Finding Camp Jurassic. Rescuing Sarah is a good one too. Hammond's Plan. That's one of the best ones too. The Raptors Appear. The Compies Dine. The Stegosaurus. Lolo's Demise. Well, I love that scene. It actually is a scene from the book, but using Ludlow in the book, it's actually Dotson who gets uh, gets haxed. Um, visitor in San Diego. My favorite scene in <laughs> one of my favorite scenes in his cinema. And 14 finale in Jurassic Park theme. So that wraps it up for that. But this set is so fantastic. The amount of stuff that it has. You know what I mean? Just reading off all this stuff. And let's talk about how I got this. Well, I got this off of eBay back a while back. You know, before, like I said in my last uh, segment, before prices just went up like a ridiculous amount. And I got this set for $5. Free shipping. $5 free shipping. I could not believe it when I got it. And it's, yes, it's used. It wasn't, um, it wasn't, you know, uh, brand new, but it's on the cover has like maybe a few scratches here and there, but basically it is perfect. And it's probably for the years that I would have had it, I, I probably would have had a few little scratches here and there because I would have gotten it when I was really young. So, I mean, I take care of my things more now, but when I was young, you know, when you're a kid. And some things get broken here and there. Even though I'm pretty good with taking care of my stuff. But this uh, set is incredible. And uh, you can go on eBay and find... I've seen a couple of them. But they, they range from... I mean, if you're lucky, you can get it for under $10 if you're really lucky. But usually the range I see it is um, about from like 40 to 70 to even... I've seen it even to $100, you know, or more. It's an old set. It's now very sought after. And um, after putting that video on Instagram, it's more sought after than I thought. (laughs) A lot of people really want this set. And like I said, go on eBay. If you have the extra cash to flow out, you know what I mean, to give out. Uh, Yeah, it'll run you probably from 40 to, to 100 bucks in between there. If you're really lucky, maybe you can get a deal like I did, but... It's hard to get deals like that today. You're, you got to be really lucky. But yeah, so anyway, that's going to wrap it up for this uh, segment of Amber Finds. I hope you enjoyed that. And, uh, you know, well, I'll try to see what I can talk about next. Because I have a couple cool things I think I got in store for you guys. So, hope you enjoy this and uh, see you next time. Back to you, Brad. Dodson, we've got Dodson here! Just 
went and made a new dinosaur? That doesn't look very scary. You are alive. I stopped to meet you. So I think it's actually been a while since we did a legit poll segment on the podcast. Um, now this past weekend, I asked you all, which character would you most like to see return in the sequel to Jurassic World? Now, aside from uh, Claire and Owen, this encompasses all characters that are still living from all the previous films. Uh, what I also did was actually a poll tournament via Twitter, but I'll get into those results a little bit later. Since we got so many results, I'm actually just gonna read straight through them. No comments this time, guys, sorry. Uh, but first off, let's get into your responses here on Twitter. Matt Brando says, Nick Van Owen. Sickleclaw? Most Henry Wu. Least Mark Degler. American Spooky? The guy who ate the pie with the Barbasol on it. <laughs> Aaron Beyer says, Omar Sy as Barry. He was way underutilized. Courtney says, Kelly Curtis as a high-ranking scientist who served in the military prior to with Special Forces. Justin Peterson says, I want to see Grant slash Malcolm return in cameo. Maybe a news broadcast discussing the failure of InGen, Jurassic Park, and Jurassic World. Would also like to see how the kids, Tim, Lex, and Kelly turned out as adults with the trauma of their experiences. Jurassic Unicast says, Malcolm for sure. But would also love to see Nick Van Owen back Barry would be great, and also Billy from JP3. So many choices. Fede says, Dr. Wu. Lord Christine, Ellie Sattler. Just Ellie Sattler. Jarrett says, Nick Van Owen. Billy Reed says, I think Ian Malcolm goes without saying, but I wouldn't mind some more obscure characters like from The Lost World, maybe. Adam says, Tim, he's got experience with the park and more than likely turned into a Malcolm-esque character once Jurassic World opened. Andrew Hoyt says, Lex and Tim. Diego says, Henry Wu, Henry Wu all the way. Chris Johnson, Nick Van Owen, Malcolm, Grant, Harding. Rogue Sunrise says, Hmm, I can see Tim and or Lex making sense. Possibly still having a connection with InGen. Maybe a goodbye from Ian and Alan. Alicia says, I would love to see Lex. I wish Dr. Grant would also make a cameo. Vegan Megan says, Ellie Sattler, Nick Van Owen, Dr. Grant, Sarah Harding, and of course, Ian Malcolm. Andrew Duckworth says, Julianne Moore and Jeff Goldblum. Mateus here says, Alan, Ellie, and Ian. I like them too much. Leandro Calvo says, Ellie, Alan, Sarah, Tim, and Lex. Thank you so much, everybody from Twitter. Let's move over to Instagram. Jay Jurassic says, Malcolm, but I would really like to see Tim come back too. Chewy AICM says, Maybe Timmy grew up and became Tim, an animal activist, trying to shut down Jurassic World. Dodgson, still a corrupt guy working with Henry Wu, or a current Billy, how he saw the monetary exploitations of the dinosaurs. Jurassic Jeep 28 says, Tim, Lex, or Roland. X Jeremy Edge says, Ian. Perfectly underscore and perfect 87. Malcolm and Sarah. JP Collector. Ian Malcolm, Sarah Harding, and Dr. Wu, of course. Ted Brothers. I'd love to see a strong African-American female lead like Kelly make a comeback. Seeing her journey living with PTSD from her first time on the island, and maybe she grew up and became an awesome Lara Croft-like explorer. Klingon 007 JP says, Alan Grant. The underscore Raptor underscore trainer says, Alan Grant for sure. Seeing him and Owen interact and discuss raptors and their behavior would be iconic and absolutely incredible. Apache 3602 says, Alan Grant or Kelly with her blank gymnastics. Life found a way. Ian, Alan, Ellie, and I think you guys are going to hate me for this, the Kirbys. I know, but I wanted to see them die in the sequel. <laughs> 
Liam Jacobs 3010 says, Ellie, possibly Alan, Ian had a small cameo in Jurassic World in book form. Nick Van Owen. A underscore global underscore threat says, Ian Malcolm and Nick Van Owen. If Pete Postlethwaite were still alive, I'd love to see him play Roland again. Road Warrior underscore Jerry says, Lowry or Nick Van Owen. The underscore dinosaur underscore company. Ian Malcolm, Jeff Goldblum forever. Grassy underscore Turtwig. Alan Grant, without a doubt. I absolutely don't know how to say this one. Matru... Underscore, uh, underscore 06. My best shot. That was it. Alan Grant, Alex, and Tim, Owen, and Claire. Who's Alex? Oh, Lex. <laughs> underscore Jurassic, underscore Dino. Nick, Allen or J... J- oh, that's an I. Ian. <laughs> God. Oh, here's another one. Gabby Vigar... <laughs> G- Let me try this again. Gabby the Vigar. Get here we go. Gabby the Vigar. You got it. I'm sure you know who you are. Lex and Tim. So those are all of your replies from social media, and there were certainly some good choices in there, but we didn't get down to who exactly is the most wanted to return in the next film. So we ran a Twitter poll, tournament of sorts, kind of like we did back um, with the recasting of Dodgson a while back. So after compiling every character we could think of, it was narrowed down to a semifinal of Billy Brennan, Ian Malcolm, Lewis Dodgson, Tim Murphy, Barry, and Lowry, which narrowed down to a finals between Tim Murphy and Ian Malcolm. So I think you can all see this coming. Ian Malcolm pretty easily beat Tim, 71% to 29%. So are you all content with those results? I know I am. I'd love to see Malcolm return. And in a poll we did a while back, it was decided that he was the listener's favorite character. So this is kind of a a pretty obvious pick. Thanks again to everybody who commented and voted in the polls. I think it's always great to see so many people interacting with each other and establishing a good dynamic for the community. If you have any thoughts on the results, make sure to send them in to us and I'll read them on the show. And as the film production grows closer, we'll see soon enough who may be returning in the future film. Thanks again, everybody. Make sure to visit JurassicParkPodcast.com to find all our past episodes, brand new news articles, information on how to contact us, and much more. It's a great source for everything related to the podcast, and of course, Jurassic Park and Jurassic World. Head to JurassicParkPodcast.com and help us build a great community. Anybody hear that? Thanks for listening to the 74th episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. Of course, I'd like to thank everybody for submitting to our poll, and especially Dan, Kat, Mike, Rogue Sunrise, and JP Fan for all writing in or sending in voicemails to the show. This podcast is 100% for the listeners, so if you want to be a part of it, send in your thoughts and we'll make sure it happens. Also, a huge thanks to Jay Jurassic for another great edition of Amber Finds. Each week, I swear I couldn't get more jealous of his stuff, but he keeps raising the bar each and every time. If you've enjoyed his segments or just want to comment on the awesome stuff he has brought to us each week, then write in, call in, and I'll make sure to pass it along. If you want to interact with us, we do most of our work over on Twitter, at Jurassic Park Pod. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Jurassic Park Podcast. And our Instagram handle is at Jurassic Park Podcast. 
You can listen to us via iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Podomatic, YouTube, our website, or wherever else podcasts are found. So make sure to subscribe to automatically get new episodes every week. If you haven't already, please give us a five-star review in iTunes or a great review wherever you listen to the podcast. It will seriously help out our rankings and make it easier for fans like you to find us. We're usually spotted commenting on the Jurassic Park subreddit as Jurassic Park Podcast. Don't forget to check out JurassicParkPodcast.com for all the links you heard here today. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us with any news stories, MP3s, comments, or if you want to debut a segment of your own, send them to JurassicParkPod at gmail.com. Or you can submit questions directly via our website contact form. If you'd like to record something for the show, send it in to us and we'll feature it in an upcoming episode. If you don't have any way to record, you can give our voicemail line a call and leave us a message. That number is 732-825-7763. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Five minutes. Drop what you're doing and leave now.